Welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. Richard is a 40-something construction company owner based in the UK. His passions are technology, business automation, customer experience, and helping other small business owners using his own valuable life and business experience. This podcast will be a mixture of solo spots, casual conversation, as well as inspirational key people of influence from their respective fields. Make yourself comfortable and enjoy listening. Here is your host, Richard Stone. So, good afternoon and welcome to Amanda Windler from the Mayor's Construction Academy and your own business called Strive, is it? Strive Strive Development. Strive Development. So, do you want to just kind of give us a couple of sentences about, because um, you've got two roles, haven't you? You spend part of your time doing your own business and part of, part of the time working on the Mayor's Academy. So, do you want to just give a, li- a little bit of an intro as to what those, both of those roles look like? Yeah, sure, Richard. So, um, I set up Strive Development, which is a learning development consultancy operating within the construction sector mainly, um, seven years ago, um, having had a background in HR and training within construction, working for a couple of um, tier one contractors. Um, and then back end of, um, so the beginning of uh, last year, I joined, um, became Mayor's Construction Academy hub coordinator for the London South Bank Uni hub, which operates in South London. So that's obviously a Mayor's initiative. Um, there are seven hubs around London currently. Um, and the idea is to be, a, be able to connect up contractors with um, training providers in the area and those that wanting to get into work in the construction sector. So it's all about trying to attract more diverse um, people into the sector and making sure that the training providers are providing what the industry wants. So we have meetings with the contractors and training and training providers together to talk about the challenges that we face in terms of skill shortages um, and attracting people into the sector Um, and the LSBU MCA hub has three training partners so obviously London South Bank Uni, um, Lambeth College, South Thames College and the Skills Centre which is in Elephant Castle so across those training providers, we can provide apprenticeships in construction right from level two, um, right up through to level seven. So architectural apprenticeships. So the whole the whole caboodle in between. Complete spectrum, right from brickwork to cash flow forecast and design and all sorts. That's really a really good spectrum, isn't it? To be able yeah. to engage with people because not everybody wants to be a tradesman, but equally. No. Not everybody wants to go straight into a white collar role either. Some people want to sort of take the, the trades route into management. So that's that's quite a, quite a wide offering, isn't it? Yeah, and it means that people can, so when they finish um, doing a trade apprenticeship, they practice in that trade and then want to go into management, that they can then take that next step through those um, training providers. Cool. I mean, that's the route I came. I went from the trades into management. It's, and I think it's the feedback I've had from probably from both mentors and people that have been senior to me whilst I've been climbing the career ladder has always been that the, the, the experience I've got from site level and working in smaller businesses, I would never have got 
had I have gone to university and then gone to work for a tier one contractor. So I think yeah. there's, there's arguments and there's fors and against for both routes, really. I think it's it's what makes the, the industry such an exciting place to be is that there are a variety of routes that you can take depending on where you want to go and you can stop at any point that you choose to. It's, yeah. It's, it's so much... It's one of the things that I love about construction is that no matter where you start, whether you start as a labourer or a graduate, there's always room to progress and different ways that you can take your career. Within it certainly is. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm recording a podcast and I thought I'd be doing that a few years. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and, to- and talking openly on social media about mental health. I didn't think I'd be doing that either. So. Hey-ho. Right, so let's get to know you a little bit more. So we've got a few few questions that we ask all our guests. So let's start from the top. So what did you want to do as a child, Amanda? What was the, the job that sort of that you'd heard about or you thought you might like to have a look at? Um, so initially I wanted to be a dentist, um, and it, which is quite strange because as a young child, I absolutely detested going to the dentist and would scream my head off. Um, but then they had a very good dentist who then sort of, Turn me around so I wanted to do that. Wow, <laughs> that must I... be quite a transformation. To... Yeah. Wow, blimey. You'd have, to, you'd have to send me that dentist number. <laughs> don't know if I've still got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an industry that's never going to look the same again, I think, post-COVID-19. Mm. Um, so who's your, fa- who's your favourite famous person or a person that, that you've got a lot of respect for and look up to? Um, someone that I respect is Steph McGovern, who used to be on Business BBC Business Breakfast. Oh, wow, blimey, that's a night. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. I heard her name for a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just like the way that she interviews people and um, she comes from an engineering background, so I suppose working in construction, I have sort of an affiliation. Um, and I did go to an event, I can't remember quite what event it was, um, where she was actually the guest speaker or presenting the awards so um sort of seeing her then and dealing with sort of live questions coming in etc i suppose enhanced my admiration for her that's a really interesting point you make about actually (coughs) seeing somebody deal with live questions because i'm not going to get into politics because it's not a political podcast but but one of the things i would say is that the way that the government have behaved recently I have absolutely nothing but the utmost respect for the way that they are able to maintain their call despite some of the questions that get yeah. bombarded from the media. And you just think, if that was me, I would want to just say, say something, maybe sarcastic, maybe yeah. look, look, actually we've got something a bit more important to talk about than whether I'm going to see my mum on Mother's Day. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I totally get why when you see somebody sort of conduct themselves in that way, actually you do hold them with a little bit, perhaps a little bit more aplomb because it's... You know, they're quite clearly very confident in their, not just in their craft, but confident in their subject and confident in their own ability, I think, that yeah. they can just take those questions from the field and, and they can just deal with them. And they're not script, they haven't got scripted answers. It's, no. it's from the heart and from the mind, isn't it? It is a real skill, I think, being able mm. to deal with that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's probably something that they probably get some coaching on, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on. So three things from your bucket list. I'd like to go to New Zealand. It's one of the places that I've always wanted to go. Um, and Japan, so quite a lot of travelling. Um, and I'd like to learn more um, paddleboarding. So I had a, a go on holiday a few years ago, but I'd like to sort of learn more or become more skilled at it. Okay. 
Whereabouts did you do paddleboarding? Did it in Hawaii. <laughs> oh wow! If you're going to do it anyway, you've got to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not so easy was... to replicate. More local to home, I would imagine. No, although I have seen somebody in the UK on a TV program paddleboarding down a canal, and that's probably my <laughs> at my level. But through the middle of Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> cool. Okay. So next thing, three things for room 101. What three things would you like to see the back of? Avocados. Don't like avocados. <laughs> um, what else would I put into room 101? I've gone blank. I can't think of anything else at the moment. That's right. So avocados. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fine. So <laughs> favourite hobby. What's what's something that, that you really enjoy spending spare time doing? Um, I don't do it often enough, but I love going skiing. Okay. So, uh, so that's the sort of again holiday again. Um, but I also enjoy um, cooking. So, trying new recipes, doing a bit of baking, that sort of thing. Okay. What sort of what sort of dishes do you cook? Is it traditional sort of stuff, or is it foreign foods, or um, mixture of traditional Italian, Indian? Um, did go on a Thai cookery course. It was quite. It was pretty good. So, cool. Not that I've done much of it since. <laughs> I like Thai food. I must admit, it's really, it's really, it's that would be probably one of my favourite choices to go out for dinner. I think Thai food. Yeah. My last cookery foray was I learned to make donuts at the Breadhead place in um, London Mar Borough Market. Oh wow! Really good fun. That was. I took my son. It was his birthday present, and because um, he loves cookery, so. Yeah, Brilliant. We got to make donuts and learn all, and learn not just make them, but learn about all the stuff that actually goes into how they're made properly. Okay. In a proper bakery, yeah. I think they yeah. make they make about ten thousand a day in their wow. bread ahead. So yeah, it was good. So and you got to eat them afterwards. Oh yeah, we got to, we got to eat them afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> so that was the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> so favorite holiday destination? Um, Hawaii. <laughs> I can imagine that'd be pretty up there. Yeah, that'd be quite tough to beat, I should think. Yeah, so it, we went to the um, Big Island, and it's actually within the world there are thirteen different temperate climates, um, and Hawaii has eleven of them in the one island. Oh wow! Which was quite amazing. So you'd be in like almost desert-like conditions, and then you'd travel half an hour or so up up the um, island, and then be into sort of rainforest or green. Greenland, like Scotland, so it was oh, really very different. Mm, I can imagine. Um, what was your favourite part of it, apart from the paddleboarding? Apart from paddleboarding, <laughs> um, I think it was just sort of seeing the different different parts of the island, and the you know, so you could have the uh, sort of cattle ranges, and then you have the volcanic rock. So we did actually go and visit the well close as we could to the volcano um so seeing that was quite amazing so yeah and then just enjoying the the hot weather mm, i can imagine it seems like a distant memory now i think yeah yeah it does so okay so moving on so what is something what what's something that makes you proud i'm proud that i was a finalist in the best businesswoman business services um awards a couple of years ago um wow. So, yeah, having sort of set my business up seven years ago from nothing and then I applied for the award thinking, oh, I won't get anywhere and then to get, get the finalist, that was pretty, that was a proud moment for me. I can imagine. 
there. So proud of what I've achieved. Certainly from reading your bio, you certainly achieved an awful lot from the back from the days because you started in retail, didn't you? Did I see? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can friend. change sectors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you certainly can. I had an MD once who was, um, she'd worked in, um, she was MD of a bingo, bingo business, a big, big national bingo, oh, wow. uh, gambling business. Mm. And she came to be our MD in a construction company. She didn't, she, she openly admitted she didn't know anything about construction. Um, but I will say that I think I've probably learned more about managing people from her than I learned from anyone else ever. Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. What she didn't know about managing and motivating teams was not worth knowing. Yeah. Um, she was really, really great boss. So, okay, so lastly then, so what, what makes you grateful? Um, I'm grateful that I can sort of walk out of my house and be in a local park near lakes and the canal and just sort of walk through, take a walk with my dog in the morning um, without having to get in the car. Uh, and yeah so that makes me grateful hearing the birds sing in the morning and as I walk my dog mm. um, yeah, I think that's a really good answer actually and I think I don't know about you but I certainly think that going through what we're going with this current lockdown um, for COVID-19 which is when we're recording this mm. um, I definitely think it's made people on the whole pretty much actually get more in touch with sort of the basics of life yeah yeah as opposed to sort of material sort of things and ways that we you have more time to sort of observe nature so I've certainly noticed mm. blossom coming out on the trees far more than I normally do because you're normally going at far faster pace than we may, maybe are now yeah <coughs> and I think yeah. probably your brain's going as well you've got stuff you're thinking about stuff there's more going on it's yeah it's you you've probably got more mental capacity to think about stuff at that kind of level haven't you whereas mm. when you're really really flat out busy like I think a lot of people have been for an awful long time just in general just with sort of yeah. with life and work and especially when you've got more than one role as well it's yeah. kind of difficult to sort of partition your head sometimes so cool okay so so that's our sort of standard questions so the bits that I wanted to talk to you about today really were a little bit about what you do in your business um and what what your target market is for that business and, and really to just have a chat about the mayor's construction academy and how you got involved in that and where you see the future of it going because it certainly seems like a really exciting um place to be and a really exciting sort of organization so yeah i'm keen to learn more about that especially as i'm looking to uh, become more involved so good so do you want me to kick off on the mayor's construction academy first I don't, whatever comes to the front of your mind first <laughs> okay so the Mayor's Construction Academy I sort of gave an outline earlier on of what it's about. So we operate, the LSBU hub operates in South London, so across Lewisham, Lambeth and Southwark boroughs. Um, and obviously there's quite a lot of construction work going on in those areas. Um, so we have an operations board um, which meets quarterly um, and that brings the contractors together with the training providers and some other sort of interested parties um, where we, we discuss some of the challenges that we're facing. Um, and Richard, you've kindly agreed to join our board. So that'd be great to have you because we want to have some more SMEs on board. Um, so we have a range of people from uh, people like Waits, um, to some subcontractors like uh, 
Morris Rowe, um, people like NG, Breyer, so a mixture of, of contractors that are on board. Um, and we discuss things like how can we get attract more females into the sector or how can we attract more um, BAME people into the sector and also retain them. It's, I think it's important to consider not just attracting them but then keeping them. Um, Retention parts equally is important, isn't it? Because otherwise yeah. it just becomes a, ver a revolving door almost. And that's that in itself can be quite a negative message, can't it? If you don't work on the retention part. And the construction sector is not known for being particularly flexible in terms of job sharing or flexi working, um, etc. So that is why some women are, are put off coming into the sector. Um, there tends to be the long hours, hours culture that people think of. Um, that isn't right across the sector. <clears throat> Very much depends on the individual businesses, I think, um, and how they approach it. Um, I think things are changing. They are changing slowly, but we can do more. And hopefully this <clears throat> COVID-19 situation will hopefully real, make people realize that things can be people can work from home can work more flexibly so hopefully we won't revert back to the old ways when things return to normal yeah massively i think there's a, i think there's a, there's a few things in that. i think one i think we need to massively learn from it and actually to take some profits and take stock and learn some lessons from the fact that actually you know apart from the, the physical actual output on site in terms of whether that's maybe the pouring of a concrete for a frame or a steelwork or the shuttering or whether that's actually first and second fixing the services that clearly needs to be done on site although off-site construction is becoming more and more popular yeah but that's not to say that the quantity surveying the planning all of the sort of commercial activity that that goes into running a project the high level project management lots of that kind of activity can actually make massive use of technology yeah. to share information I mean, I saw a post, um, I think it was back in the last week on LinkedIn, um, and it was a new build project somewhere, and they were talking about they were, they've got an item to um, have 14 people around the table to sign off a set of drawings for a staircase. And these people were coming from two or three different countries in Europe because they've got different, like quite high-level design team, and they've got a manufacturer from another country. And, mm. and ordinarily, they've worked out that this meeting was going to cost about 20 grand. Well. And instead, they did the whole thing on Zoom in 45 minutes. And yeah. no, no one left their house. Yeah. They said it would be an absolute travesty if we didn't use that, learn from it, and actually take that forward. There mm. are clearly things that still need to be done on site. But yeah. there are an awful lot of things that don't need to be. Well, if you don't need to do it on site, arguably, it then does become a lot easier to split that into more manageable tasks. And once you've mm. got that down then that does make it lend itself more to kind of to, to the whole flexible working sort of arena. Yeah. So I think there is, there is an argument to say that actually one of the big, one of the positives to come out of this will be that hopefully we should all be better, better equipped to think differently. Cause I think it's a mindset thing. Yeah. We're too yeah. trapped in that. Well, we've always done it this way. We'll carry on and do it. I mean, people think of thinking differently about how to actually build buildings now. Um, what yeah. I think is needed is actually people to think differently about how we actually, how we manage as project teams, how we put together mm. jobs, how jobs are designed, 
I mean, I've spoken to two clients this week that are looking at giving notice on their offices because they've said, well, we are yeah. working far more efficiently now than we ever have done. There will suddenly and, be lots of empty office space. <laughs> I, think there's gonna, I think it's going to be a real big struggle for big commercial landlords, especially some of the big mm. landed estates in London that have got massive commercial portfolios. I think they're going to really struggle. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be one of the legacies. It's not just the amount of companies that actually become at the mercy of COVID-19, but I think a lot of it is actually going to be commercial office space potentially as well. Mm. So so what made you move from retail into construction? Because that's quite a change. Yeah, so when I started off in retail, um, it was after I'd finished my degree, which wasn't was in food, textiles and consumer studies at South Bank Uni, as it happens. Okay. Um, but so that's why I went into the food sector initially. Um, and then when I was at Tesco's, I got into training. So I became a, a store trainer for a new store opening, developed through into HR. So that was where I sort of found my niche of this is what I want to do going forward. Um, but then I got fed up of weekends, working late nights, doing duty management Um which I had to do sort of two two days, two sessions a week. I was sort of late duty manager. Um, and so I got fed up of that and thought I want out of retail. They were also pushing that the, the next sort of career path would have been to go into general store management, which I didn't want to do. I was just saying HR and training. <clears throat> so that's why I decided to look around, to move out. And initially when I moved into construction, it was to a plant hire company okay. which was part of um it's part of Trafalgar House which nowadays is Skanska mm. um but yeah so so initially so there was a sort of a connection there from retail to plant hire in that it's sort of selling stuff or hiring yes. stuff yeah and it's customer um, facing as well isn't it yeah so I went there and then there was a, a the company got bought out by Caverna um, initially before Skanska and they were selling off the plant hire business and then I transferred to the piling business um, okay, cementation wow. yeah um, and yeah so that, then that's where so cementation with Skanska and then I moved to Balfour Beatty and then I set up on my own oh and you haven't looked back since by the sounds of it no no so uh, yeah, I think when I set up on my own, my own business, I thought, shall I move away from construction? But because I've been on it, in it for a number of years, a lot of the contacts I had were in construction. And I actually quite enjoy sort of seeing it from a hole in the ground to a finished building. There's a real sense of, buzz. yeah, I, I do. It's what I love about it. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, we don't, we don't actually build anything. But we, we, we sort of refurbish stuff and, you know, you sort of, you look at a block at tender stage and you think, yeah, that, that's not looking great. And then you get to the end of the job and you look at it and you look like, I mean, we film our jobs through drones, so we've got really mm. good footage to compare before and after. And you do get a real sense of, wow, that looks great. There's a real sense of you've achieved something tangible. Yeah, yeah. So. And although I'm not directly involved in the building, um, sort of helping recruit people and train people up, that build the building yeah. um so when i was at balfour's they built the aquatics olympic swimming pool yeah. so i went to visit there a few times and went had a, a tour around i've actually sort of looked down at the pool from the roof which is quite 
Oh, wow. Side visit. So that was quite my, one of my claims to fame. <laughs> I love I love different perspectives. People are always saying to me, "Why have you filmed that building from that angle?" And I'm like, because I love that. I just like that angle. I feel like the way that building talks to me from that point of view. So, yeah. No, I to- I totally get that. And I think the like you say about not being that involved in it, but I think I would disagree with you because I think you are because the people you have a massive input into the quality of candidates that can, and the level of training and development that people get that are building those buildings. Well, all of that determines the quality of work that they produce and has a big impact on that. And if they get a positive experience through that journey, that's going to massively impact on their headspace. So they're mm. going to be in a better mindset to actually produce a better quality product. So arguably, I'll say that there is a, there is a big, big link back through the training training cycle because the more you invest in people, the better better they feel and the more likely they are to stay in that business. And if they're going to stay, they're going to be more vested in the, the success of it through the quality yeah. of the product they're putting out there. So it's I know what you mean. You feel perhaps a little bit remote from the product sometimes. Um, but I would certainly say that definitely you add massive value to the quality of what is actually being produced because, you know, it's about the people. That's what I love about construction. It's the people. Yeah, yeah. And I... I get a buzz from sort of seeing people that I recruited as graduates um, sort of that are now site managers or construction managers or higher and, and doing really well. So yeah, it's good to see them grow and develop in their careers. I really, I didn't, I must admit, I mean, I really, really identify with that massively. And I, when in my early career, I was about all about making money for client, for contractors and in my role. Um, and then I started mentoring people um, <laughs> And for me, that was just like a whole different level to see somebody that, that starts at day one that's really green, doesn't really know very yeah. much. And then, you know, in a couple of two, three or four years' time, they're doing okay. They've sort of, they're not, they haven't got the word trainee on their business card anymore. They've got a big bit of a buzz. Um, and actually, even as recently as probably about three months ago, I got a text message or a WhatsApp message from, from a lab. Um, and I, it's someone that I'd mentored six, seven years ago. And yeah. he texted me to say that he passed his driving test. And that oh, was wow. like a massive thing for him. But he'd taken the time to message me. And I was like, oh, brilliant. And we were sort of having a conversation. And I was saying, how are you doing? He's like, I've just been promoted. I'm now commercial manager. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just got a real warm, fuzzy feeling inside that, you know, being involved in helping someone fulfill their yeah. potential, it's such a rewarding thing to do. Yeah. So rewarding, and seeing people go on to then go and achieve great things in for their own, for their own, and provide for their families and stuff. That's that's mm. massive. So, what does a typical week look like for you? How do you how do you sort of spend your time typically? Um, so typically, I'm two days a week with the MCA hub coordinator. Um, so that's could be a Monday or a Wednesday. Um, so that might be in normal times. Um, there's sort of myself and um, assistant hub coordinator Kim so we work together so she we job share in effect so she does Monday Wednesday Friday and then I do two days um, we normally do one day together and then another day so in normal times we're normally organizing some events so earlier this year we held some apprenticeship road shows Um, trying to dispel some of the myths about working in construction and promote apprenticeships and the range of apprenticeships that are um, on offer within construction. Um, We're also produced some sort of myth buster posters, which were sent round to job centres and other 
um, places to again dispel the myths um, and then so we're we're doing that um, last year we exhibited at Skills London um, and then we got quite a number of people that young people that are interested in construction so we've done sort of follow-up emails to them talking about different roles so each each email that we sent focused on a different role role so maybe quantity surveying okay um sort of talking about what is a quantity surveyor and how can you get into it if if you are interested in that career path um so obviously linking up with lsbu um or similarly dry lining not many people in the general public if you say a dry liner don't know what <laughs> what it is so just trying to promote that um more recently we've done some video case studies so we got a um somebody to come in and video some of the apprentices that are working studying at lsbu or the skills center and talk about their experiences um what they love about construction so they've recently been um finished editing so we're at the moment we're sending we're promoting those via social media um and they're some really good the the people that we brought together um didn't actually know each other but they got on really well on the day um, and there was quite a lot of fun and um, banter going around between them which was really good so the the, the results I think are really good um, we do also share sort of best practice with the other hubs so we meet periodically obviously in normal times um, and sort of share what we're doing we have because we report to the um, GLA so we have KPIs that we have to try and achieve um, around people completing construction training courses, um, people undertaking work experience, um, receiving advice and guidance on careers in construction, and then people getting into employment or apprenticeships within construction and sustained employment, which is six months plus. So we have to report that up the line each quarter um, plus sort of a narrative of, of what we've been up to basically um, because we do get funding from the GLA um, so that's my sort of MCA days other days I might be working with um, contractors helping them with their section 106 or social value obligations um, so that might be where they're meeting um, need to recruit certain number of apprentices or work experience for local labor um, to meet their planning obligations and your typical project manager doesn't necessarily want to get involved with that so <laughs> um, I get involved in um, liaising with the local authority on that and sort of managing that plan for them so meeting with their supply chain talking about what sort of um, apprentices they're looking to take on is it um, the trade apprentices is it more on the technical quantity surveying um, or document control that sort of area and then help um, the A's with the, the local authority um, job brokerage local colleges etc right okay so kind of like a, a hub for for each of those people to sort of come in and out of to actually drive the outcome essentially by facilitating yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean it's difficult isn't it i mean i mean we've got project managers and 
you know, the best women in the world, they love engaging with apprenticeships and stuff. But if I said to them, right, we've got an obligation on this job to have X amount of apprenticeships, we need to do something to get this, make this happen. They wouldn't know where to start. They wouldn't have a clue. That isn't their skill set. So I think it's really encouraging that there are people that do the role that you do in your own business that actually can make that happen and effectively pull those people together to create those outcomes. Because otherwise, you'd have lots of people searching around in the dark that wouldn't be able to necessarily find the the relevant people to connect with and link up with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know a few years ago now, um, I did a big kitchen and bathroom program with a with a big um, London House Association, one of the G15, um, and we used, I think it was an organisation called Red to Ten, I think, from memory. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that was um, that was interesting, shall we say. Um, <laughs> we, we got some, we actually, to be the candidates that we got um, were really, really good, and some of them yeah. went on to achieve really amazing things. I mean, that apprentice that I was talking about just now, he actually came through that scheme originally. Oh, right, okay. Um, and now he's got, he's, you know, he's smashing it. He's got a really, really good career. Mm. Um, well, as was well supported as they could have been? No, I don't think they were. Um, <laughs> where was the value that was being added? Not really entirely sure on that, but hey-ho. Um, I think the most important thing is that people know that there are people doing that role that you do so well out there that they can reach out to when they yeah. have obligations to discharge to make sure that they do so meaningfully and not just sort of paying lip service to it because that seems to be quite a common thing still yeah yeah service to their obligations and i think if you if you do it properly you can get really good some really good people into your business mm. um and i always push that give people um the young the opportunity to do work experience first because then you can sort of see can they get out out of bed on time and get to work on time have they got the right attitude do they want to learn before you commit to an apprenticeship and um, because you can get a good good idea in those week two weeks as to what they're going to be like um, oh, huge it's, and how work brittle they are i mean I'm, i do some stuff with youth build um yeah and um and do talk to some of the candidates they've got down there and they do kind of like a triage session where they put them through like a work readiness program yeah to actually make sure they're ready to actually to understand what a what a full-time in a position as an apprentice actually involves and some of the questions that you get back from people some of them are like well, what do you mean what what doesn't matter if i don't go in five days a week why does it matter yeah yeah because someone's expecting you to be there they've committed time and energy and resources mm. To, to training and working with you to sort of improve your outcome and then some of the questions that you ask i mean we had we've created four um placements for four work experience people um last year in the summer of last year on one of our jobs in west london um and only two turned up on yeah um and of the two that turned up they were both they were both good in their own way but in two weeks neither of them did a full week and in actually mm. If you work, if you think of two guys for two weeks is four calendar weeks, we didn't end up paying them for more than about two and a half weeks between the two of them because yeah. none of them could do two consecutive days and we're never on time. And it's mm. it's almost like taking it back to basics. It's those simple yeah. lessons that they need to understand that, that they don't seem to get taught. And it's, I don't know, I don't. I think you've really, really almost got to strip it back to absolute basics. This is what it means to have a job. Mm. Um, and a friend of mine, who's in the, he's come out of the military now, but he was in military training for the last few, few years of his career. 
And he said the biggest problem they have is that the new recruits now half don't even know how to wash. Really? To, yeah, or to tie their <laughs> shoes. And even, a lot of them don't even know simple things like how to properly brush your teeth. Because <laughs> they're, they're basic life skills. There's many mm. of them. And it's, that's actually quite frightening. It is frightening, yeah. It's, it's coming back to the top of the case, where maybe if you were to retrain as a dentist, you might be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so where do you get your fulfilment? Is it is it equally split across both roles, do you think? Or is it more weighted towards one than the other? Um, I think it's probably equally split. Like, like every job, every job has its it's challenges and you have your bad days and your good days um but hopefully doing sort of being split the bad days on on for both roles at the same in the same week that <laughs> one's having a good week one's having a bad week to compensate um <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it is um encouraging when you see the skills center run pre-employment programs so they're like you were saying about teaching people those life skills of turning up for work etc one of their they teach them health and safety and um stuff for their csds but it's also having those right behaviors to be able to go and work on site so wearing the full ppe turning up on time you know being um considerate and communicating well with with other people um which seem quite basic to us but sometimes you have to spell it out to people um but seeing some of the people that have come through the skills center uh, and they deal with people that have been ex-offenders homeless um involved with gangs etc and some of them it does turn their life around um and when you see them get into a job and be so grateful for what the skills centre have given them and given them that opportunity and second chance, that's what makes me grateful and, and proud of, of what we're doing. Yeah, I can imagine. I remember I, I, went, I was fortunate enough to be invited to the, the second cohort graduation at Youfield um, a few months ago now. And I'll never forget, there were two, there were two guys that came from to talk to cohort two who'd been on the first cohort and one of them walked in and he said you see that trowel you've just been gifted he said that trowel earned me my first thousand pounds in wages to stop swinging yeah. it around and look after it because that is what is going to earn you money yeah and it was kind of you know it, it is sometimes it's those really basic life lessons that actually the site rules are there for a reason they're not because mm. somebody wanted to type out 15 or 25 lines of text they exist for a reason and that is so that the construction industry is safe first and foremost and it's considerate and it fits in with the environment that it's in mm. and therefore they need to be respected and sometimes it is simple stuff like that but but the other thing that i took away from youfield was that i mean i went i went on the first day and they're like them they do like a meet the employer panel so there was okay. me there was um, there was a guy called joe Bryan who does um apprenticeship facilitation um so he sits between employers where they've got loads of new build sites, but they can't commit to like a three-year apprenticeship yeah. um, and training providers. And um, he's, he's got a really nice guy, actually. Um, there was me, him, there was a guy from British Gypsum um, there. And we basically spoke about our career in construction, how we came into it, 
Um, and then I got invited back at the end after 12 weeks to present their certificates, which was a really lovely gesture of them. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. But the difference to see on day one, there was like 30 of them, all with their heads down, their hoods down. Yeah. Wouldn't look at each other, wouldn't engage, wouldn't engage very, to probably 70% wouldn't look at you when you were talking to them. And yet at the end, when they came to graduate, they were all chatting, they were clapping, they were all patting each other on the back. Mm. And I thought, do you know what? If nothing else, they'd, they'd grown as individuals in their confidence. Yeah. And they'd, they'd actually built a network of people that were all in the same boat. They'd gone through loads of shared learning together. And, and a lot of them now, even now, are still, still talking to one another via kind of like WhatsApp groups and different stuff. And they celebrate each other's wins when they yeah. like that one of them gets a job or... No, and I think that sort of stuff's really Brilliant. important. So, yeah, it's a really good thing to be involved in. So, so what are the next steps for the MCA? Where do you see where do you see this going? Um. So, uh, hopefully, by I mean we're only funded up to a certain point, um, but hopefully, hopefully by I mean we're only funded up to a certain point. Um, but hopefully when the funding runs out we still will have joined people up so that the collaborations between the training providers and the um, employers contractors will will carry on and they're still to keep talking to each other of what is it that the industry wants and making sure that we're providing that and that there is an easy way for people that want to work in the sector to find in the route in I think because we're there's so many different federations or um, small companies that it's hard to have find have one route. And Go Construct is is good, and I do promote Go Construct as a as um, website to find out about careers in construction. But I think we could do more in helping signpost people as to which way to go. To get into career, I mean, I can't, I can't remember now, but I do recall E6 27 years ago, and I was just leaving school officially, although I've been not been there very much for quite a while before. Apart from just playing rugby and cigarettes, um, <laughs> and I wrote a hundred letters under my dad's guidance to local builders saying, like, mm. I want to get into construction, um, and I got two, two replies out of a hundred, and they both said no. Um, yeah. And but the one thing that, that I was told by somebody when I when I eventually sort of went to college under my own steam was that seventy five percent of construction is done by SMEs. Yeah, yeah. But the, most of those SMEs are not even on the radar. So no. How can we? And I think that's probably part of what what a legacy ought to look like is actually how do we get all of those people? How do we get the signposts pointing at the right people? Yeah. And those opportunities are going to exist because. You know, it's a lot easier for an SME to say, well, okay, we'll, we'll take a gamble on that person because actually we need that person. We need somebody that's going to be doing that rather than jumping through 27 hoops, which quite often can be the case at tier one contractors where yeah. they've got a big, massive HR policies and stuff to sort of... Mm. Um, so I think that we really need to be trying to sort of get as many people from the SME world on board so that people know what's out there and what those opportunities are and it doesn't have to be that they've got any form of like section 106 obligation you know we all as in as builders need tradespeople. yeah you know so got an aging workforce yeah, <laughs> and also we've got 
I mean, so many people went out of the industry in the last recession. Mm. I mean, COVID-19 is not in itself per se a recession, but there are a lot of people. I mean, I've already spoken to three people this week about jobs that were going to start in a couple of weeks. And they said, sorry, I'm, I'm, one's like, I've hung my tools up. I'm not coming back. I don't know. Yeah. So there's going to be quite a few people that are just going to go, do you know what, actually? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want yeah. to do of a site life. Whether it, I mean, people sort of think that it's all muck and bullets and you've got to be sort of three foot deep in mud. Sites these days are not like that. It's quite no. a clean, clean environment. Um, but, you know, if people have had a bad experience, they're not going to want to come back. So I think no. labour shortages are going to become even more prevalent than they are today. Mm. And if, if the MCA can help those small businesses and, you know, acts as your one-stop shop to find good people or new people wanting to come into the sector, then to me, that's a success. Exactly. It's a two-way street because we can, not only can we provide opportunity, but actually we can provide mentoring to help people. I mean, yeah. I had a conversation with two lads at UFIL, and I'll never forget, and they said to me, in your speech, Governor, you said that you set your firm up a year ago with nothing. I don't believe you. You can't set a firm up with nothing. <laughs> I said, well, I beg to differ, young man, because I yeah. can, and I did, and that's that. what happened. Well, how'd you do it? And I went on, and I gave him three really simple lessons about buying and, buying and selling cycles, and how you work yeah. for commercials. And he, was, he just looked at me, and he went, I'm going to do this, this, and this, with this product, that product, and that product, and I know I can make myself a thousand pound a week. Well, there you go, you're in business. Yeah, yeah.